we're going to come into this thing now with a, uh, with, with a, with a, with a soft open, hard open, whatever. We just had a tremendous 25 minute conversation about the airing of the grievances. I have grievances now. The Carson Wentz factor, the Jalen Hurts factor, but none of you have heard this because yeah. the record button, apparently this idiot didn't hit it. So welcome to Section 247's The Goal Line Stand, awful all the time. I'm Michael Lipinski, joined as always by Brett Halpern, coming to you from the Michael's Glass Company studio, 215-338-3293. We are a Sports Talk Philly partner. SportstalkPhilly.com available everywhere you find you can find us everywhere at GL Stand Show, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, let me hit the beginning now. I mean, it was a really good conversation. Welcome to a football Friday edition of the show on a Wednesday. We like to call this a Rockefeller tree lighting special. You know, they moved that game to Wednesday afternoon because of the tree. We're being moved because of Christmas and tree lighting and family and all that stuff. It is also Festivus, happy Festivus, and the airing of the grievances. Uh, yeah, go ahead. You can start. <laughs> well, first, I just want to clarify when you said this idiot didn't hit record. You were pointing to yourself. I was pointing to myself. For those listening to the podcast. Yes. So <laughs> Well, okay. So with respect to Festivus, the one thing I think everyone should know is you do actually have a Festivus poll, which uh, has been in existence since 2010 because you have yet to be able to lower a telescopic poll from tailgating. Yeah, I have a tailgating poll that I bought for Rutgers games, and we used it for the first game one, of the, one time. One. First yes. game of the 2010 season, and yeah. I've never been able to – I think I got the first segment down. The pole was pretty big. It's like a 25-foot pole when it's telescoped all the telescoped all the way up. Yeah, but we had to drive for a while with that not not completely Close. condensed. Yeah. Close. yeah it, it's that was length, not fun. It's, like, it's the length of a car. So, yes, that is my Festivus pole. Yeah. So <laughs> On the Festivus front and the airing of the grievances – I'm going to tell you what I just said. I'm sick and tired of people using the Rocky thing with Philadelphia. And we're going to get into Rocky a little bit on the Section 247 show. Section 247 show at SEC 247 show. Uh, we're going to do the Rocky, the great Rocky debate, part one and part two. What I'm talking about is Ryan Clark from ESPN calling Carson Wentz soft and saying Jalen Hurts is more Rocky than Carson Wentz. The, the, the Rocky thing, enough, enough of it. Look, I get it. I, I as I as I stated 15 minutes ago, so aptly I'll try to cut it down perhaps, but now it's being recorded, so it's nice everybody can hear. Um I I agree with you. I just don't I don't agree as strongly with you with respect to the whole Ryan Clark thing. I think he made some really strong points. I think his his gratuitous Rocky reference devalued his point. And the, the thing is, my belief is that Carson Wentz is more physically tough than he is mentally. He's all, and as 
Ryan Graham pointed out, or excuse me, Ryan Clark, not Ryan Graham. That's a different uh, former football player. Uh, Ryan Clark pointed out, uh, you know, he's always been the guy. He was always the guy at Notre Dame. Excuse me, not Notre Dame, North Dakota State. Then when he got to Philly, you traded away Sam Bradford. He started right away as a rookie. And, you know, he overcame some obstacles, but there's always been these rumblings uh, of discontent and that, you know, he sort of takes a playbook and sort of does what he wants with it. He always focuses on Zach Ertz. There's all these different rumblings. And you can definitely tell this year, if you had to compare Carson Wentz with Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts is operating this offense the way it's meant to be operated, whereas Carson Wentz is not looking at the initial keys, the initial reads, and is sort of uh, going off script, so to speak. So had Ryan Clark stuck with that, I think it would have made a stronger argument. Because also, as we talked about, Jalen Hurts is a guy who is first rate in terms of his character. This is a guy who started as a freshman and then, you know, lost his starting job at the worst possible time, halftime of a national championship game, sits out the next the next year, he backs up Tua Tagovailoa, comes in to replace Tua uh, when Tua gets hurt in the SEC championship game, brings Alabama from behind to win that game, graciously then sits out during the remainder of the college football playoffs, transfers to Oklahoma, does a great and is named captain at Oklahoma, really starts to turn his game around. So this is a guy who, you know, really does ingratiate himself with a team. And I think that's where Carson Wentz is lacking a little bit because it's clear that some guys don't like him. And it's clear that he's not always following the script. No, you're right. And I was reading an article by uh, Joe Santaliquido on the return of John Kincaid to Philadelphia Sports Radio. And it made me think back to the Carson Wentz article that he wrote I, I, a year ago, yeah. you know, right beginning of end of last season, which worse than it, honestly, it was worse than anything Josina Anderson actually put out. Yeah. It was a real in depth, uh, it was a hit piece, I would say, but maybe clearly not maybe not all that not all that inaccurate at this point. Wentz plays physically hard, but you're starting to see the cracks of yeah, there there's something there from a, a mental toughness aspect that is just not it's not clicking right. I don't want to call him a baby, but he's being immature, apparently, allegedly. Yeah. But and then again, it depends on who you, you listen to on that. Uh, Schefter and Howard Eskin are saying that he's sulking around the, the facility. Uh, Chris Mortensen from ESPN, Rob Motti from the AP are saying, no, that's completely wrong. You know, where's it coming from? There, there's To me, there is enough smoke to where there is, at minimum, a small fire. Fair enough. So the Eagles are doing the right thing. We, have, we are in agreement there, and I think most of the fan base is in agreement that you need to see what you have with Jalen Hurts. There was no preseason. You don't know. What they're getting in, in at least these past two games, two and a half games, yeah. has been impressive. Has there been a tape on him yet? Probably not enough. So there's always that factor. But let's just assume that the Eagles, let's just assume he, he Jalen Hurts, plays this way for the rest of the year and it rolls into the offseason. The Eagles are going to have a quarterback competition. OTAs before training camp, it's clear that this is a Jalen Hurts team and not a Carson Wentz team. Carson Wentz is not necessarily thrilled with being a backup. 
understandable. So you just trade them. No. Okay. Why not? Okay. So I have not yet gone to cap school because as I mentioned, cap school will come during the off season, but I did manage to come across a wonderful article written by Andrew Brandt, formerly of the front office of the Green Bay Packers and other teams who also is a professor at Villanova law school who teaches a sports law course. Um, and he laid out his argument using the cap ramifications as to why Carson Wentz can't be traded. So it comes down to one date. I'm going to give you one date and I'm going to give you three numbers and tell you why all that matters. The first is the date, the third year of the 2021 league year, then three numbers to keep in mind. And then I'll go back to them. $34 million. The second number, $198 million. And the last one, over $250 million. Now, going back to the third year of the 2021 league year, if Carson Wentz is not traded before then. The third day. The third, third excuse day. me, thank you. Yes, the third day. My apologies. The third day of the 2021 league year. If he, after, on that date, he is then due a $10 million roster bonus. Additionally, $15 million of his 2022 salary now becomes guaranteed. So you'd have to move him very quickly. That's the first thing. The next number, and I think this is probably the mo most important number, is $34 million. When you're evaluating a trade transaction, Carson Wentz, if you were to trade Carson Wentz, and I'm just going to use hypothetically the Colts because that's a team people have talked about. He can go and renegotiate with the Colts and say, you know what? I'm terrible. I'm just, again, I'm just throwing out a hypothetical. Pay me the league minimum. Give me a signing bonus of $1 million. That's all well and good. As it relates to the cap ramifications of the Eagles, it's all about what his prior deal was. None of what happens in Indianapolis or wherever he's traded, results or affects the cap situation in Philadelphia. If he is traded, the Eagles, there is $34 million of dead money. You can't touch it. You can't spend it. Yes, it's savings in that you're not spending it anywhere, but you can't spend it on anyone else, and you don't have Carson Wentz on the roster anymore. You could designate it a post-June 1 transaction, which would split the dead money into two. So you'd have 17 million dead this year, 17 million dead next year. But again, why would you want to continue to kick the can down the road? The next number, 198 million. That's what the salary cap is today. There, excuse me, this year. Every year, typically, it goes up by a certain percentage. Next year, it is not. It will probably even go back down to like 195. So, and then you take four million. Then you take the 34 or the 17 and take it off of that. Exactly. And the last number, over 250 million. As it stands right now, and we've we've mentioned this in the offseason and and throughout the season. Right now, the Eagles are on the books for next year for over $250 million towards players. They have to start cutting people. They have to hope that certain people retire. This is not a team that fiscally can 
afford to absorb a $34 million cap hit uh, of dead money, which also would be the richest in NFL history by $13 million. You can't do it. No. Well, you just laid, out, laid out that way. No, no, you can't. And, and again, I, I would highlight, I would, I would tell everyone, go check out this article. We'll share it. Yeah, that's, that's good. It's a really good article and it breaks it down. But that is essentially, that's the one key date and the three key numbers to take into consideration if you want to trade Carson Wentz. And on top of it, there's the issue of compensation, mean trade compensation, because he was he was the second pick of the draft. And think of all the trade capital you had to give up to get there. Sure. So even if you just got a first round pick, technically, you're not even getting a fair return for selling for pennies on a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. And doing that to take the biggest cap hit of any team in NFL history and just to sit there with a $34 million gap where you can't even touch it and you have all this other needs and all these other obligations financially to to players. It just, it can't be done. Perhaps if you were in a different cap situation, maybe. And then on top of it, it's going to be a low cap year. It's, It's a confluence of several different issues. You can't get it done. So maybe then, just maybe, Jalen Hurts is a guy that you're now not shopping, but he is the he is your your trade ship. To me, if um, if the New York Jets came calling and said, you know what, we will give you the second pick of the second round, I'd look into it. Um, if a high second round pick, a low first round pick. Yeah, I wouldn't do it for anything less than that. It's a crazy, crazy world that we are living in here in Philadelphia. Uh, before we move on, a couple things we got coming up. Rest of the season, we have our NFL preview show, NFL playoff prediction show, excuse me, Hall of Fame preview discussion and awards preview discussion, uh, Super Bowl week around that time. A lot of contents, memory, memories, moments. Uh, both rooting for teams that have won, Philly, Philly, uh, obviously. And we'll have our preview and our prediction. On the offseason, we're going to recap the Eagles and the Giants. We're going to have some mock drafts. I know we we have at least three coming out, Super post-Super Bowl, post-Combine, and right before the draft, NFL free agency discussion. And we're working on lining up some interviews with former NFL players, some NFL agents, and hopefully even some current NFL players. That is our, our goal. Yep. I think before we move on, we do have to send some condolences to the family of Kevin Green, 58-year-old uh, Hall of Famer, played for the, I guess, bo- most well-known. Well, he's really well-known for a bunch of teams, which is crazy. Yeah. Think about it. I always think of him as a stealer for whatever reason. He was a Los Angeles Ram. He was a Carolina Panther. He was a San Francisco 49er. Passed away at age 58. Uh, as of us recording, I still think it's unknown causes, which kind of scares me a little bit. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, but thoughts and prayers with his family. He was a great player. He was a, a he main event. It, did he main event a Halloween Havoc? Yes. Yeah, he was part of yeah. a tag team in, in, in wrestling. So across multiple shows. Yeah. Uh, you know, it is interesting. I mean, so he actually entered the Hall of Fame as a Pittsburgh Steeler. 
though he only spent three years of his very long career there. And it's funny. I, I think of him as a Steeler, but I also remember him as a Ram because he was part of the Rams, you know, went to the NFC Championship game against the Niners in the late 80s. There was a very good team. It was a team that beat the Giants in the divisional playoffs. So I remember him, like, destroying. There was a play. He sacked Phil Sims, and I almost thought he not decapitated, decapitated him, excuse me, because he hit him in the midsection. So I thought he like literally split him, like from his torso. And I mean, he was a great player, um, high energy, really fun guy. You know, that was the height of the NFL, like the hidden NFL, and yeah, you always had the sidelines. And he was one of the guys that was always mic'd up. One of the more colorful players of the late '80s and early '90s. It, it's and a great player. He he got into coaching. Yeah, obviously he had that bug to get into the wrestling ring, and the way he came off on camera, you could see him doing that. Yeah, but I can see he did that still as an active player, right? Yeah, he so no, that, he was he did that while he was with the Panthers. That's right, because it was in it was in Charlotte, so that makes yeah, sense. and he was wearing like Panthers colors. Correct, correct. So so uh, rest in peace, Kevin Green. Uh, we hope that just hope that it wasn't anything. It's horrible either way, right? Yeah. It's horrible, yeah. whatever. But let's just hope maybe this was natural causes kind of thing. Yeah. You know, e- either way, he'll be missed. And, and our condolences to the family, irrespective. So moving on to some better things here, more uh, more lightheartedness that the Pro Bowl has been announced. Pro Bowl rosters, I should say. The Pro Bowl will not be taking place. It'll be on Madden, apparently. Uh, three Eagles have made the Pro Bowl Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, and Fletcher Cox. And Okay, uh, yeah, look, the Pro Bowl is what it is. It's uh, the All Pro team is what matters. Yeah, of those guys, like Fletcher Cox, we've discussed. That's a reputation thing, right? That's a reputation thing. Brandon Graham has had a very nice, a nice year. I, I don't know, off, you know, is it Pro Bowl worthy? Eh, maybe, maybe Pro Bowl. Jason Kelsey again. I, I think it's winding down. I think he's a shell of himself. He's beat up. Not he is beat up. He, yeah. It's impressive what he's doing beat up. But, yeah. you know, is he the Pro Bowl center? I, I don't know. I don't think so. But it, is it, are they all pros or any of them all pros? No, absolutely not. And that's what matters. Yeah. Well, on the Giants front, Evan Ingram? Really? Evan, has anyone been watching this guy play all year? This is a disgrace. How did he get in? Because I, I want to tell you something. I've been watching Evan Ingram play all year because I have him on my fantasy team, and I yeah. pay attention to his stats. That's not Pro Bowl worthy. Uh, well, I think you could thank George Kittle for getting hurt. Um, there's I'm no – yeah. there's no – okay. At least he – okay, so he was not uh, voted as a starter at least. But, you know, I take – because of my love – It's a video game. No, no, no. So, for instance, Jason Kelsey and Fletcher Cox. Actually, Kelsey, Brandon Graham, and Fletcher Cox were all voted as starters. Stupid. Oh, okay. okay. I didn't make it up. I'm just telling you. Area grievance, rub the pole, and uh, <laughs> there we go. But Evan Ingram was... We're going to be getting the polls in a second. Yeah. So, Evan Ingram was not 
voted as a starter. It was TJ. So this is how bad the NFC tight ends were. TJ Hawkinson was the starter. He had a good so year. Really? Hmm. He didn't. I mean, I mean, look, George Kittle, this would have been George Kittle's spot. Austin Hooper was traded out of the NFC over the offseason. The tight ends are really in the AFC, minus George Kittle. So I get, and Zach, Zach Ertz was hurt. Okay. Uh, it, it, look, this is a disgrace. I take my New York Giant tight end seriously, right? right? Mark Bavaro, my hero. Even before then, you had Bob Tucker, the last ever New York Giant, to lead the league in receptions for a season, who actually never made a Pro Bowl. You had Jeremy Shockey, who, at least for a few seasons, was probably the best, one of the best tight ends in the league. Heck, I even loved Kevin Boss for a few years. Evan Ingram has just been a mass to me a massive disappointment. And now on top of it, I'm super pissed because this is only going to help his negotiating stance. And I now we can't get him in a bargain. Yeah, that's right. Stocks. Uh, the Giants, other giant, James Bradbury, who I actually think is deserving. Very deserving. Very deserving. Yeah. The the only other one I was a little bummed that he did not get it was frankly i think there were a few others that had a chance leonard williams to his credit deserved to get in i think um additionally jabril peppers but the one i really wanted was logan ryan yeah yeah it's interesting that he he's not in there any other noticeable snubs you think well everyone's talking about tom brady um why i don't know i mean and also considered nfc had aaron Rodgers. yeah revenge tour Except for last week. Every time I say Aaron Rodgers, you just say revenge tour. Yep. I could be like Aaron Rodgers went to dinner. You could be like revenge tour. Yeah. It's it's just what you said. It is. It's automatic. It, it is literally, it's like a Pavlovian response. Correct. We should make a t-shirt. I'm sure they have one. They probably do. Aaron Rodgers. Revenge tour. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so there's Aaron Rodgers. Revenge tour. 2020. <laughs> Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. You could argue maybe. Maybe you take out Kyler Murray. Yeah. But honestly, video, I don't care. But it's a video game. So who gives a shit? It, 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 yeah. Frankly, if it was a game, I wouldn't care either. Yeah. I, I, nobody would. I mean, it is the fun. least valuable of any All Star game. And I don't like the, the voting mechanism. And. You know, to and to me, it's also because of the importance of the All Pro. It just it sucks, but it's something we're talking about. It is. You know what else is worth talking about is uh, Dwayne Haskins being an absolute and utter moron. Uh, Washington is in the in the driver's seat for the for the NFC East and a playoff position. Their defense is playing really well. They could. I'm not going to say they can make a run. They could win a game the, with the way their defense plays. In, in the playoffs, Ron Rivera is doing his thing. And this is what also pisses me off about this. Dwayne Haskins was filmed on social media, I believe Instagram, right? Yeah. At a strip club, maskless. I don't know why you'd go to a strip club with a mask on uh, on Sunday night. He has since apologized. That's great. But at what point, like what what is wrong with you as a player we talked about this. We talked about the Seattle situation in, in the 
early, I guess the preseason training camp where, where they cut the dude who, oh, yeah. who was sneaking the, who's, who dressed his girl up as a coach and snuck her in the, in the building. Oh, Here you have the, because of injury, the starting quarterback of the Washington football team doing this stuff. This is yeah. after it's been pretty much documented that, that he's a knucklehead, right? Yeah. Like what, what is, what is going on? So, I don't think he's the guy. I guess he can't now. He need a quarterback. That's true. So I'm not going to get into a social and cultural discussion regarding strip clubs. That's not what this is about. To me, I'm actually a little surprised that any strip clubs are open because of COVID. Yeah, I think they're considered essential in some parts of the country. I mean, I would think Nevada. That again, I'm not getting into the cultural aspect. Of strip clubs because Jersey Shore, uh, family vacation, and they yeah. had a, they had a commercial where I think that like in Nevada, they're putting the strippers in like cages is the wrong thing, but like in a uh, they're putting the strippers in like a box that yeah. you can see through. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm that's... not a strip club guy, so I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I, you know. Yeah. So to me, I guess my first statement is. Is Dwayne Haskins the first ever guy who, after a tough loss, visited a strip club that night? No. Okay. In the 70s and 80s, I can't even imagine what players were doing. I mean, look, one of my favorite players of all What do you think LT did after a game? I can't even imagine, right? So I'm not, again, not getting into this, but to me, we live in a different time. If you are a noticeable athlete, you are going to be filmed no matter what. On Instagram, on Facebook, your your image is going to get out there on social media, TikTok. Name, you name the social media platform, you're going to be out there. But on top of it, because of COVID, why are you exposing yourself in that re- regard to anything that's that dangerous? We're so close as a country and, as, frankly, as an entire human civilization. We are so close. The light is at the end of the tunnel. There are vaccines. You know, give this six months. If enough people take it, everything will be back to normal in the fall. Right. And more importantly, you the amount. Think about what you're the guy you're replacing, Alex Smith. Think about what that guy had to go through to get to that position. Mm-hmm. And you can't just sit at home in what's presumably a nice oh. Think about your head coach, and then think about it. This is again. It's look. You want to use the Rutgers term, family? Forget about me. I love you. This is not one of those. He, he's not thinking about family here. It's a selfish act, and you, to me, it's. I would be just as pissed off and 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 um, frustrated with Dwayne Haskins if someone filmed him walking into a movie theater without a mask. It's to me, it's more the potential exposure to COVID and what you're doing to the team. That's the bad look, particularly after a poor performance and a loss. You know, to me, it's really stupid. It's clear that Washington doesn't like him, but if you're, if you want to get traded, this is not the best way to go about handling your business, handle your business as a professional. The New York jets suck. We always talk about that, but those 53 guys went out to LA Played their asses off because you know what? 
maybe they're not going to be around for the next head coach, but they're professionals and they're trying to put on good tape. You have to act like a professional, and that's a 24-7 thing. And Dwayne Haskins dropped the ball big time. Uh, yeah, big, big, big time. Yeah. And no apologies. What happens here if he if I'm if I'm a member of that team and let's just say Haskins tests positive? Let's hope he doesn't. Yeah. Now you have a scenario where you could have just crossed your team, man. Yeah. Like seriously, a run. Yeah. It's it's disgraceful. You know what else is starting to get disgraceful? And you mentioned TikTok, the Juju Smith Schuster stuff. Maybe, just maybe, it is time to put that to bed. The dancing on the other team's logo, uh, it is very much a disrespectful thing. Yeah. You don't do it. There have been hockey brawls that have occurred. There's things you don't do. You don't dance on, on logos. You don't shoot into the empty net before a hockey game. Because you know what? Ron Hextall is going to come flying out of out of the locker room at the Spectrum and beat you with a stick. Uh, I get it. I get the social media thing. But this at this point, for those who don't know, Ju Juju Smith-Schuster does a dance and for TikTok, and he always does it on the team logo. I, I mean, he, his the Steelers logo too, right? Yeah, yeah. So or the the fifty yard line logo, the yeah. NFL logo, whatever. That's offensive. People take offense to that. There are fights over that. Who was it? Was it Baker Mayfield that when he was Planted in the flag with the flag at Ohio State, right? Yeah, I mean, there's there was the Baker Mayfield. There was the Devin Bush incident. When Michigan went to go play Michigan State, and he used his cleats oh, to go white. scratch out the spot, uh, the Sparty, and yeah, the fifty yard line. They go back to To in yeah. the, with the with the uh, Dallas with the the star at the fifty yard line. Yeah, yeah you don't look when we played. I, I I remember in high school, you know, when you warm up, you run out and you turn it to 50. And I, you know, our coaches, you know, I'm not arguing that they were Vince Lombardi, but they, you know, they would be mindful and say, don't touch their logo, particularly if it's, I wouldn't even touch. Well, we shared a stadium, there was no logo. I wouldn't have touched our logo. It's just yeah. a, you never pat and you never you never in warm ups cross the fifty yard line in no, high school ever, unless it's like quickly to retrieve a wayward ball. But yeah, so to me, I, I don't get this. Um, I think it's really stupid, and it, to me, it goes in the same ilk of what you see now a lot in college with all of these stupid. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, Turnover chains. The well, yeah. The, what's the, I'm looking for the word to get like um, not puppets, like gimmicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The turnover chain. I I think Georgia has like the Road Warrior shoulder pads. Teams give out belts. And by the way, you know, like before anyone even comments or thinks, you know, I, I'm to me this is not a a racial discussion whatsoever. I think this is a generational discussion. It's a younger, it's, it's the generation younger than us because we didn't need, we would want belt. Right. We'd want a, a turnover. Maybe we would yeah. want a sticker or something. I like think, that. Honestly. So my senior year, we, we had helmet stickers. I thought it was the stupidest thing. And I don't know if you know ever noticed this, Mike. So the the day before we played you guys Thanksgiving, uh, senior year, 
we were in the coach's office and found all the stickers. So everyone just decided decided to start putting stickers on. I was yeah. like, no, you have to earn those. But to me, I, I actually hate the stickers. You should want to make a play because it's good for the team and it's fun. And it's something you can talk about. And yeah, nowadays it'll be on film. Why do you need a stupid belt or to wear a chain for 20 seconds on the sideline? It is the dumbest thing in the world. You know, I'm an aspiring coach. To me, I, I if I ever have that opportunity, I'm lucky enough, I will make sure that my, that is not something that's going on on the team I'm coaching. What about an axe? No. Okay, there is one thing to have an I frankly, I thought the Rutgers axe is a little dumb. It's a little hokey, but it's one thing to run on the field with it. If it's part of just what your team is entering the field, leaving the field, that's fine. You know, that's it to me. That's the same as touching Howard's rock or the hokey stone or, you know, banging the play like a champion today. That that's of that ilk, but to try to, you know, influence a player by saying you get you know, come on! Don't you want to get an you know a turnover for your team? You get to wear a chain. What? It, why not just get a turnover for your team because it's for the good of the team? If you were going to give them a belt, which belt would you give them? <sighs> Probably be the uh, WCW US Tag Team Belt. Okay. Or cool. the FTW Belt. Huh, interesting. I, I would. I think I would go. See, everyone uses the big gold. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of eh, it's kind of played out in, in my opinion. I go give you the old NWA belt. No, I'd go winged eagle or maybe intercontinental. What about the UFC belt? It's the UFC belts suck. It's as real as it gets. Yeah, apparently that's what it says on it. Has Mike Tomlin had a conversation with Juju Smith Schuster yet about I, this? I believe he is going to because that had Cincinnati worked up. And, and that defensive backfield was pissed off. Yeah, that's the other thing. Right now, I've said it on social media and on our, our Facebook at GL Stan Show. The Steelers are leaking a little bit of oil. A little bit? This is the Exxon Valdez. Oh, okay, so the, the, you know, the Mongahela, the Ohio, and the other one. Uh, not the Susquehanna, whatever. I used to know. Allegheny. It. Allegheny, yeah. Allegheny County. The, 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 there's a lot of oil there on, on the uh, on the point in, in Pittsburgh, and other than Sidney Crosby getting stuck in it and not coming out, you know that's a problem. I, look, you want to? Here's my hot take: It's over. Pittsburgh will not oh. win, and Pittsburgh is not winning one game in the playoffs. Oh, I, I might, I might, I might agree with you there. So yeah, yeah. I, I I think enough of that. They got to move. They they have to figure it out. Uh, moving on, head coaches can start. Uh, we can start. We can have if anyone wants to talk to us. Uh, yes, teams can start conducting virtual interviews for head coaching positions. Yeah, I think it's I think it's good because what happens is a lot of times, you know, for instance, I think one of the reasons Eric Bieniemy, I, I do think that there was a racial component to it as well, and I think the NFL, you know, we we always use the Jim Caldwell example and the Lions, right? Which is what. Jim Caldwell loses a job when he the team goes nine and seven. Then they hire the rocket scientists from New England and they suck. Exactly. Jim Caldwell deserved he did not deserve to be fired. He's a really good coach. But the other disadvantage for if you're a Super Bowl team is you don't have as many opportunities to interview. So I think now you have this will help that. So this should help Eric Bieniemy. Again, we've all we've talked about the whole Andy Reid scenario. 
maybe he doesn't leave because he's sort of wink wink the next guy. But I, I do think this is a good idea. Sort of open up the the hiring process quicker. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with you. Uh, college, there's been some hires throughout the world of college football. Auburn finally gets itself a coach. Boise State's Brian Harrison. Harrison goes to uh, Auburn. This is after, oh man, um, what's his name from UAB? Turns it down. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking. Yeah, oh. I'm blanking too. Um, that tells you something. When you don't leave, here's a program in, in University of Alabama, Birmingham, that was shut down for, yeah. for a, a, a year. And you don't leave. But Boise State's uh, Brian Harson uh, goes to Auburn. Shane Beamer goes to South Carolina. Uh, Beamer spent four years with Carol- at South Carolina during his career. He was a, an assistant head coach at Oklahoma. Yeah. New Jersey's Jed Fish goes to Arizona. What Talk about like a, man, that's a crap. That's just a, an okay hire. I remember he was being kicked around for the Rutgers gig at one point. Uh, before Shiano came back because he has the New Jersey connection from Hanover Park. And it was like, yeah, oh. he's uh, so he's actually uh, personal friends with my cousin. Uh, I feel as if Jed Fish has always been the victim of being either like a year too soon or a year too late. Uh, I thought his best, you know, for instance, he went to UCLA. He was the UCLA offensive coordinator when Josh Rosen was there. And it didn't really click because their defense sucked. So didn't he was the he turned into be the interim coach, coaching for the bowl game they won. But you know he was the Michigan passing coordinator. Then he goes with the Rams, and he was seemed to be like the only coach. Remember, you know there was like that thing. Well, if you know Sean McVay, you're getting a head coaching job. He seemed to be the only guy in that circle where that didn't happen. Uh, but I think he's an innovative guy. To me, though, that's a tough job. Now, very tough job. Personally. Like, you know, God bless. He's he's gonna get paid two, three, four, I don't know how much. It's not two Auburn, four million dollars. It's not Auburn or South Carolina. He gets to go live in Tucson. But the problem is Arizona State is building something. A kid now, I you know, I, I've heard at University of Arizona's campus is beautiful, but you know, the 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 lore of the Arizona State party scene is something that is, is literally nationally known. On top of it, you have Herm Edwards. Marvin Lewis, I think, is going to get another NFL head coaching gig, so I think he'll probably leave. But the amount of – you have Antonio Pierce. They run themselves like a pro program now. They, they really do run it like a professional program. I mean, down yeah. there, personnel directors and all that so, stuff. So you're now playing – you're and, and I think this is sort of the Auburn issue too, even though Auburn is still a big commodity. It's tough if you're playing second fiddle in your own state. So that's a it's a tough recruiting gig, you know. So I look, I wish him well, um, you know. And again, like I always wish New Jersey guys well, Hanover Park. Uh, yeah, you know, we'll see. I, the Auburn, I gotta tell you, I got I have a bad feeling with that. I think that if I was, you know, I mean Brian Harson to me was the last coach of this Boise State run. There was rumors of him being fired from yeah. Boise. State. Like yeah. when I saw his name pop up as being hired by Auburn, uh, you go on to on the Twitter and some of the college you know stuff. It's like he was going to be fired. Yeah. So I, I don't know. And again, I mean, you're, you're definitely playing second fiddle, Alabama. Absolutely. And, and look, the the SEC West is just absolutely brutal. 
Um, I actually, I'm interested to see Shane Beamer in South Carolina. I think that that's a decent hire. Yeah, I agree with you. That's that's an interesting one. South Carolina has always been an interesting program. They they're like on the cusp all the time. They they go on run. You know, like they had a little run with Lou Holtz. They had a little run with Spurrier. It's it's they're a cyclical team. I feel like every every like seven eight years they get good for a few years and they fall off. Right. Yeah. Obviously, it's tough. You know, for them, I think they would hope that Dabo will leave at some point because Clemson obviously is the main player in South Carolina right now. But you know, you go back a decade ago, South Carolina and Clemson were neck and neck. Yeah. Exactly. So, but I, I do like that. I do like that higher. Um, Auburn. Yeah. I feel like maybe that that just sets you up for a senatorial run more than anything. I still don't care. I'm not getting into politics, but here's my thing. If you were a true Alabama alum, how can you vote for Tommy Tuberville? I don't know. I have no idea. To me, that's just really weird. I'd be like Chris Ash running for office in New Jersey. You ain't getting my vote. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to have a shitty staff. Yeah, yeah. Figure out if you're completely crazy. Uh, NFL Films is put out. They put out the first part of a three-part documentary on Woodrow Wilson, Camden Woodrow Wilson High School, uh, Preston Brown, and the football program there. I uh, urge everyone to take a look at it. I've shared it on all the social. That's uh, GL Stan Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also shared it on my own and on the Section 247 Show Facebook and Twitter, at SEC 247 Show. Uh, they're obviously a, a South Jersey program that we know w- very, very well. It is an interesting, remarkable story of what's going on in the city of Camden as a whole. You, we both have ties to the city. You're, you have very deep ties. So once this series is kind of complete, probably when we geared more towards the offseason, we're going to discuss this a little bit more. Yeah. I guess I'll talk about as much of it as I can. Since yeah. As an official in South Jersey doing a lot of Wilson games, I probably have to keep my uh, – I have to stay a little bit impartial, but – First glance, first look, really good pro, really good, in, interesting TV program. Interesting to hear about it. Uh, you should check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, uh, I, I think that anything that's a positive that's coming out of the city of Camden should be celebrated. And uh, frankly, both of their football programs uh, are something that the city should be very proud of. And it's helping kids, um, you know, be able to. Uh, get educational opportunities that they may not have been able to. So I think it's great. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching it and talking about it uh, during the off season. Absolutely. All right. Are you crazy? Hit it. Hit it. What do we got? Okay. So number one, with Trevor Lawrence out of the picture, I now think the Jets have to stick with De- with Sam Darnold and build around him. I uh, know. I don't think. I don't think you're crazy at all. If I am the Jets, I know Jets fans are angry, but I think this is an opportunity. Now you either draft a pen. I don't know if uh, you draft a Penny Sewell at two. You could. You, you could, right? You could get away with it, or that's a coveted spot now too. You could move back two yeah. three spots. You acquire a first round. You acquire whatever pick you know you trade with in yeah. the first round. And then you probably get a second, a third. You acquire draft capital. Uh, yeah. If I am the Jets, and this all depends a lot on who my, I get as the coach, my coach too. Mm-hmm. I, 
more willing now to go in that direction than I was a week ago. Yeah. Okay. You're not crazy. Yeah. Not at all. Okay. Well, let's see here. They don't need Fields. They don't need Justin Fields. They don't. Well, I so and this is, I guess, a precursor to our mock drafts. I will tell you right now, the gap between Trevor Lawrence and the number two has widened since our half season mock draft. And look, there there is a there's now a very intense discussion debate in the scouting world whether Justin Fields is even under whether he's even number two. Interesting. Yeah. And we'll get into that more during the debates. I well, I will tell you this. I think Trevor Lawrence wants to win, obviously, the college football playoffs and all that. Justin Fields' game against Clemson, very important to him. It's more important to him than the game is for Trevor Lawrence in terms of their future. It is very important. It could literally cost him millions of dollars. So my second thing. Ezekiel Elliott's played his last snap for the Cowboys. Uh, without looking at the salary cap, any ramifications? Yeah. Uh, no. Again, you're not crazy. You don't it's get. Nice. You don't get. You don't get benched. Yeah. If you're you're the star running back, you don't get benched like that. You're the star yeah. player. Well, we just talked about at the top of the show, but you know this is a different scenario. I I no, I would I would agree that he has taken his last. Snap. So I have a third one then that's as relates to that. Okay. If you are the general manager of the New York Giants, so whether you're the putts of East Rutherford or whomever is next, do you in the offseason call up Saquon Barkley's agent, offer him a distinctively a, a contract extension offer? which is mark, markedly less than what Kish, Christian McCaffrey got. And if he doesn't accept it, trade him for whatever you can get. Well, what can you get? I guess that's the thing. Like, if you're going to trade him. Whatever. Just give uh, me a second-round pick. I don't care. I take the pick. We talk about running backs, right? We talk about running backs all the time. Running backs are a dime a dozen now. It, yeah. It's not the game-changing position that it used to be yeah wasting a pick the giants wasted the pick saquon he's a dynamic player went healthy but he's not a game changer he's not going to win you games yeah. maybe one but he's not going to be a quarterback that you can ride for 10 12 wins yeah. and change the whole course of your you know your existence as a franchise yeah no i, don't, I really don't think you're nuts so yeah so yeah so essentially the the main point of that scenario is that unless he signs an extension which is less than Christian McCaffrey's, Saquon Barkley is, is, has played his last snap as a cap as a Giant. I, I think he plays next year on. I think he plays on his rookie deal. On his rookie deal. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's get into it. Eagles, Cowboys. It's Cowboy Week, <laughs> and this game really, you know, it, it has no juice. It's really bizarre. That this game, I I think the Eagles really Eagles are, are are going to come out and the Eagles are the better team. First week, I, first time in all season, maybe I've said this, but the Cowboys are absolutely pitiful. And if Jerry Jones and company didn't come out and say already that uh, Mike McCarthy was going to be back, 
I'd be telling you that the Eagles have a legit opportunity to put a nail in a coffin here. The way that this thing looks, this whole thing plays out, the, the Cowboys defense is not very good. The Eagles are scoring touchdowns and moving the ball offensively and putting up points all of a sudden under Jalen Hurts. This thing just matches up in the Eagles' favor on both sides of the ball, but particularly Eagles offense versus Cowboys defense. Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, just in general, I think that this is a very – it's just a very favorable matchup for the Eagles, and, and I think particularly with the way Jalen Hurts is playing, I, I don't see this game being very difficult for the Eagles. No, I agree, I agree with you. I mean, Cowboys offensively, uh, is Ezekiel Elliott going to play? Even if he does, does it matter? No. Yeah. I mean, Andy Dalton is in. He's going to be the quarterback. So maybe that changes it a little bit, maybe. Eagles defensively are playing better. They're playing consistent. Yeah. Unless it comes down to the idiot kicker, you know, this isn't this is an Eagles win. This isn't going to go down in in history, I don't think, uh, of some of the great games that Eagle Cowboy games that have been played in in, in Dallas. It's just not. Probably not. Uh, though it does. I mean, I know you said it lacks juice, but you know, look. I mean, I, the both teams still have a legitimate path for the division. Sure. So, you know, I, I don't think you have a, a huge glass of orange juice, but, you know, there's a few swigs there. Some of the historical games that, that have been played down in, in Dallas. So you have, I believe, the sacking of Troy in 1988 occurred in Dallas where the Eagles defense just absolutely destroyed Troy Aikman before he became a Hall of Famer. Uh, there's obviously the pickle juice game. Yeah, I think it's every it, it is every Eagles fan's favorite. Uh, Tommy Hutton. So Monday Night Football, 1998, I believe it was. Yeah, uh, I fell asleep. I remember this because I was like dozing off watching the game, and waking up to WIP and I'm saying that the Eagles lost and watching the replay. Uh God, the guy dropped the football. Uh, there, there's the. William Tom was William Thomas had a pick, I think a big interception return. There yeah. was the Troy Vincent interception lateral re re return in the in the game. There is the TO coming, the TO coming out show, redoing his whole shtick on the star, this time in the end zone. Donovan McNabb running for his life for 15 seconds and hitting Freddie Mitchell. That's kind of like okay. It's weird. All the the moments happen to me. Eagles Cowboys moments happen Philly. in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's I would say Dallas. Yeah, I, you know, it's fun. my the the game I remember most in for Philly Dallas down in Dallas. Uh, I watched part of it in the parking lot in 1990. Some guy brought a satellite for his tailgate. As I'm, it was a giant Redskins game at four o'clock. And the Eagles Dallas game was at one. Uh, and then I eventually saw the highlights of how it ended. And it was in 1990, the Eagles defeated the Cowboys 20 to 19 off a last second Calvin Williams touchdown. I don't know. And, and like Heath Sherman had a good touchdown, but it was a, it was a big game. That was, that was at that point, I think that was the first time Jimmy Johnson and um, Buddy Ryan 
were starting that, to yap at each other. That was the that was the I believe that was the post game press conference where Jimmy Johnson called Buddy Ryan fat. Yeah, I think so. It started the whole which started yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, it's weird. There's a Christmas tree. Merry Christmas, Philadelphia. Uh, it's referred to as the Christmas tree stand. You know, goal line stand against Dallas uh, with Je- with Jeff Garcia. It's weird. It's just like I, I don't know. Yeah, you guys had a good Thanksgiving win down there, but there's a few no, years ago. All the moments happen in all the big moments are, are in Philadelphia. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And I don't think this game's going to be any different, uh, unless you have Jalen Hurts throw for five or six touchdowns, and maybe run for an additional one, where you say, "Oh, that's the Jalen Hurts game." Yeah, look, I I just think. Uh, I also look from the Eagles from a defensive standpoint, the Cowboys offensive line is so banged up. You're going to have, I think it's going to, you're going to have a field day on a immobile Andy Dalton. I got to tell you, I do like that Tony Pollard. He's a nice running back. Yeah. I, I think just, they, you know, just, they found a replacement. Yeah. I, I, I think he's very good. Um, you know, Dalton's going to have to be able to get the ball out of his hands quick. I actually also like that tight end they have. Uh, Dalton Schultz or whatever. This is not bad. Uh, but again, I think the Eagles defensive line will be overpowering. It'll just dictate the entire, that entire component of the game. Jalen Hurts, the run game, Jalen Hurts, the read option. Uh, I, I see the Eagles winning comfortably. I, I would agree with you. Uh, before we move on, check out Thrive Fantasy and the Thrive Fantasy app. ThriveFantasy.com is a new way to play daily fantasy sports. Uh, talking Eagles, you were able to go bet on some Eagles and Giants and NFL prop bets. Download the app on Android or your Apple Store. Sign up, use code SEC247, deposit 25 bucks, and we'll match it. Thrive Fantasy, thrivefantasy.com, prop up. The Giants travel down to Baltimore. Uh, not necessarily a big history you know, you know what I think of when I think Giants at Ravens. <laughs> Where the hell is my cup? <laughs> I was going to get into that. Uh, we'll get into that in a moment. Um, so, as relates to the Giants and the Ravens, it's not an extensive history because obviously the the Ravens have only existed since '96. Uh, Baltimore leads the series four and two, a four two two. And obviously the biggest of that being Super Bowl 35, where they defeated the Giants 34-7. That was just, that was a bloodbath. Although, you know, I was looking at the box stats for that. The Giants defense actually held Baltimore pretty much in check too. The difference was turnovers. That was the big key in the game. Uh, But I mean, you know, Trent Dilfer only threw for like 120 yards. Problem is Kerry Collins threw for 86 (laughs) with, with multiple interceptions. That'll kill you. Yeah. You know, the the actual real history is the New York Giants and the city of Baltimore with the Colts because there, now you're talking about uh, perhaps one of the most famous games of all time, the 1958 championship game. And then people actually, most people aren't aware. uh, So that was played in New York. My dad was at the game. Then in 1959, the NFL championship game was actually a rematch between the Giants and the Colts played down in Baltimore. The Giants were winning in the fourth quarter and then collapsed. They lost 31 to 13. But again, going back to the Ravens, the Giants have not won. They've not beaten the Ravens in Baltimore. 
Uh, their only two wins were in 2008 and 2016 up in East Rutherford, once in Giant Stadium, once in MetLife. Those, the, the 08 game to me, that was kind of the height of that was the year after the Giants won Super Bowl 42. But ultimately, the Eagles would beat the Giants in the divisional playoffs. But this is still when Plaxico had not yet shot himself in the in the thigh. Uh, the Giants rushed for over 200 yards and beat the Ravens 30 to 10. And that was the Ravens team that went on to play in the AFC Championship game. Uh, to it, like that at that point, I was thoroughly convinced the Giants were going to win and go back to back. They were just that good. Um, and then in 2016, this may have been like uh, Odell Beckham's last great game. Uh, he had eight receptions, 222 yards, two touchdowns, including a fourth and one 66 yard touchdown with about a minute left. It was a crazy game. Uh, went with uh, my good friend Steve Berman and his son Dan. Huh? Is that a Monday night game? No, no, it was a uh, it was a Sunday one o'clocker, but it was it was just a crazy game. But yes, uh, one of the more notable games uh, as it relates to you and I, which we've actually talked about, but we, it's always fun to talk about, is the in 2006, we got tickets for literally about $14 to go to the Giants-Ravens preseason game down in Baltimore. I will say I was not impressed with the tailgate situation there. We had packed up the car. <laughs> well, yeah, we packed up the car like we were going to tailgate. We park in a lot, and suddenly we realize, oh, well, we can't tailgate. So it gave us several hours to walk around the Inner Harbor. We decided to go to the ESPN Zone. Please, please, please don't eat the pizza at the ESPN Zone. Why? I'll tell you in a second. Uh, I also made the mistake. If you're going to go to a game, don't wear sandals, okay? It's just not a good move. Your feet are going to end up blistered, and it, it's just not good. So... We, we literally were the last row of the stadium, like the last row. It was us and the fence, the fence and that, then whatever the highway was, that was 95. Too. Like there was no, there was no, usually you would think maybe there's like a little bit of a buffer, like the fence and then like a piece of large piece of concrete. So if the fence falls backwards, yeah. you don't tumbling down to the roadway. Uh, yeah. uh, no. And that fence was moving. It was. I did not feel overly comfortable. Now, to get to our seats, we entered the stadium, and had we just gone to the right, we were a section over. We didn't realize that, and we went to the left and walked around the entirety of the stadium. By this point, all the walking around we had done in the Inner Harbor, uh, my feet, I think, were bleeding. So it was a struggle. Then we had to go up 50 rows because we were in the top of the stadium. So we decide to leave around the third quarter, fourth quarter. I'm in so much pain. And by this point, I'm starting to feel a little dizzy, a little nauseous. And I don't know why. But so Mike has a thing. Mike likes to get collector's cups at whichever stadium he goes to. Baseball, football, pro, college, doesn't matter. He had gotten one earlier in the game, and he asked me if I could hold on to it while he went to the bathroom. And you know, I said, sure, no problem. And, you know, he goes to the bathroom where he comes back. We're walking down the uh, the different aisles to get out of the stadium. He goes, hey, where's my cup? <laughs> and I had thrown it out. And he was, as you can tell from his, well, as I can tell right now looking at him, 
he's still a little salty about it. He's airing his grievance during Festivus right now. He's I, pissed. I, there's no proof that I've actually been there. That's true. That's true. I guess we could probably find one. I'll, I'll find one on eBay for you. Oh, no, it's not the same. Nope. Okay. Okay. Uh, then uh, we happened to walk by on the way to our uh, on the way to the car. We happened to walk by a Sheridan, which point I ran in there to vomit uh, because I was not feeling well. And then we drove home, and Mike and our other guests were fighting over cookies. I don't know if he, Mike remembers that, but it, all in all, it was a very interesting day. Uh, it's I actually like the stadium; it was nice. I, I like that stadium too. I like that setup there. And yeah, just a It's a traditional. There, yeah. There's nothing fancy about it, right? It is a football stadium. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, I mean, no I'm sure there's, it's, there. I'm sure yeah. there's fanciness to you know the inside of the the the, the boxes and all that stuff. Yeah. But it was a stadium and the crowd was into it. It wasn't, it was closed enough. Like I know there's yeah. open gaps, but there, there was just nothing. To, I don't know. It, I don't know. It was just well done. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, fast forward to this game. Look, the Giants have the ball. I don't even know if Daniel Jones is going to play. Um, if, if he's still, you know, limited, I would go with Colt McCoy. Either way, I really don't think it's going to matter because. Daniel Jones is not 100%, which means you're not going to have the running element to his game. The Ravens have a very strong defensive line, so you're going to have to try to break through with that. I think that the Cleveland Browns game really highlighted the fact that the Giants are desperately in need of uh, playmakers at the wide receiver position, and the Ravens have an excellent defensive backfield. Uh, so, you know, Giants have put up six points in the last two games. Uh, if they I wouldn't really expect more than that against the Ravens in terms of the Ravens offense against the Giants defense. Look, I, I fully anticipate a spirited effort by the Giants defense. I still think, you know, James Bradbury is back, which will help. But the thing is, frankly, you don't even need great corners against the Ravens defense. What you need is a dominant defensive line and super athletic linebackers. I don't necessarily think the Gi Giants have that. I think that they'll, you know, I think I don't see this being a 42 to six game. I see this being more of a, all right, it's going to be a halftime. It'll be like a 13 to three game. And then it'll end up being like a, maybe a 27 to six, maybe 31, six at the most, something like that. The Giants defense is just going to get worn out because the Giants offense right now is depleted, um, banged up and they're lacking weapons. So all of that is a really bad equation to beat a, a super talented team that desperately needs to win because they they don't even control their own destiny. So they have to win out and they need help. So, uh, yeah, 27-6, something in that range. That's what I'm thinking, unfortunately. I agree with you, I, especially if you don't have Daniel Jones. I, even if you do have Daniel Jones, he's not going to be healthy enough. Yeah, they're just going to be. This is going to be a beatdown. Yeah, this is going to be a beatdown for for the Giants, and it happens sometimes. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, but the crazy thing is, the way the division is, they can still lose and still be in it for the division. Right. It doesn't matter in a way. It's crazy. It is it's crazy. Very strange. I, yeah. I. 
Baltimore is a is a good football team. They're a good football a good football team. They're not great, but they're good. Yeah. And they're playing for their life. And I think their coach gets that. Yeah. And instill that in that in that team. That's where we are on. Yeah. I would it I mean I I I just don't even see this being close. I can't envision it being close. I, I tend to agree with you. Let's get to two games we're watching, one college, one pro. We are in bowl season. Uh, you lead it off. So my uh, bowl game that I'm looking forward to is the Mortgage Cure Bowl. It's Liberty versus Coastal Carolina. Uh, we talked about that actually a little bit earlier this week. Uh, Liberty's had a nice season. Um, and, you know, I, I want to see if Coastal Carolina can finish it out, finish undefeated. I'm rooting for them. I agree with you. That was the bowl game that I, I was really looking forward to as well. Kind of for everything you just said. They were supposed to play. They were both hot teams at that time. This yeah. is really the best college bowl game of the weekend. Yeah. Of of the no-name bowls and the no-name teams. They're both kind of little darlings. They're dan- you know, they got little stories behind both of them. I'm looking forward to it as well. Go Chanticleers. Yes, absolutely. Uh, let's turn uh, to the professional ranks. What do you have? Uh LA Rams, Seattle Seahawks. You know, we've talked about you can't completely write off the Rams for last week because this is how the Rams have been all season. It's two games on, one game off, two games on, one game off. So they, you know, they happen to play the Jets when they were off. And when they're on, they're one of the best teams in the league. And I gotta tell you, Seattle, Seattle lost to the Giants. They didn't even look that good beating Washington. They only won 20 to 15. Uh, so you can't say that Seattle's playing in a dominant fashion. It's going to be interesting because this is for the division, really. So it's going to be interesting to see how these teams play. Are the Rams going to bounce back? Is Seattle going to start to play well? Or are they just going to continue to sort of be mired in the muck or whatever that saying is, you know? So, yeah, it's uh, that's my game, though. My game is the Indianapolis Colts at the Pittsburgh Steelers, 1 o'clock on Sunday. They're calling for 37 degrees and snow in Pittsburgh. So I'm looking forward to a – and it's going to be cold. I'm looking forward to a little bit of a snow game. This is a prove-me game, again, for both teams. 10-4 and Colts, 11-3 and Steelers. Steelers are are leaking oil. We talked about it. Who shows up? Can the Steelers actually show up and shut down – Indianapolis and get back on track. Yeah. Colts kind of, you know, put a stamp on this thing and say, this is what we are moving into the playoffs and we get our 11th win. I would think inclement weather would actually help the Colts in that game, oddly enough, even though they're the home team. Yeah, I would think so too. And it's different without obviously fans in the stands this year. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It's in Pittsburgh, but does it really matter without the, the, the lunatics with the towels? Probably not. No, because when you play Renegade, it's just not the same. Right, exactly. You can pump it up as much as you want. It's just not going. It, it doesn't have that same vibe. You know what I? Th- you know what I think of every time I hear that song is um, the Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, is uh, uh, Billy Madison. I would say it's Billy Madison. Yeah, yeah. When he's drinking with his buddies, and then he like, uh, what are you looking at, Swan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, on that note, we're going to wrap up this. Festivus edition, this Rockefeller special of the Section 247's goal line stand. Awful ball of time at GL Stand Show, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. For those of you of the Catholic Christian faith, uh, enjoy the holiday. Merry Christmas. For those of you who are not, 
You can't even go to the movie theaters this year, but you can still order Chinese food yep. and enjoy that, which as a Catholic, I actually enjoy that little tradition. Uh, and also for those uh, celebrating, happy Kwanzaa. When's Kwanzaa start? I thought it was the 26th. Happy, happy Kwanzaa. Happy oh, uh, let, me, let me just double check. I'm pretty sure. Yep, Kwanzaa starts on the 26th. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. We'll be back next week to wrap up this weekend of NFL and college football. I'm Mike. That's Brett. Follow us on social media at GL Stand Show, and we will see you later.